We so look forward to rest and recreation, but time is moving so rapidly on. And yet we still find ourselves stressed and weary. We need to slow down. We know this, but we find it so hard to do. We load ourselves with activities and stress and duties, and then we wonder how we will survive them. As you have found us before, Lord, find us again. Wrap your arms of compassion around us. Help us to savor the times that we have with each other. Make us keenly aware of the magnificence of this world. Draw us to times of peace and rest and renewal. Remove the clutter from our lives so that we can focus on you, on your healing love. Give us strength and courage and joy that we might become disciples who are worthy of your kingdom. For we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. So about two weeks ago, two days before the trip left, Andy called and asked me if I had a passport, which I thought was a weird conversation to have, but it turned out quite all right. Um, on this trip, I got to become friends with a lot of people at church that I thought I only knew through my dad or my grandparents, or because I was such a cute kid. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> but I got to know them all by myself, which was an experience. <laughs> the people I met in Ecuador put everything I thought I knew about the world and just flipped it upside down. Everyone was so welcoming and happy and ready and willing to listen, which is a little hard to come by at home. On our first day, first village, it was so scary because I don't know about you, but I do not know that much Spanish. Um, besides what I learned in high school, but it almost didn't matter, almost. This particular village was not Christian, and from my understanding, had never really heard parables or Bible stories the way that we do. And Andy's mom, Miss Patty, retold the story of the feeding of the 500, and parents and children alike listened intently. And afterwards, the children colored baskets, complete with pescado, fish, and pan, bread. I'm learning. With translation and a couple of keywords, we managed to get our point across. And there are some things you can say without words. This was the most rewarding and fulfilling week of my life. And next summer cannot come fast enough. Good morning. Well, so we land in Quito, and um, a, uh, before we arrived there, I was nervous, I was worried, am I going to be able to meet this challenge? Am I going to be one of those people who should not be on a mission trip <laughs> to cause trouble? Um, but God was faithful, and um, he helped me to um, surrender to his will. And I will say, from the moment we landed, um, I could see the working of God in every day throughout the people. We met uh, Marco, who would be our translator, our guide, our liaison uh, between us and the villages that we met. 
And um, each day, being with Marco and talking with Marco, we got to see more of him and more of his Christian walk with God, his commitment to God. Um, each day brought new challenges and new um, locations. Um, the temperature was cold on certain days of the week uh, uh, as we climbed into uh, mountains, and that could be difficult at times, but thank God I was able to endure. Uh, I would say that one thing I think that was ever present on this trip that I took away from this trip was the fact that God uses people, and he uses the people that were with me, and I got to see them in the new light, uh, see their commitment to Christ, in the work that they did, the way they gave of themselves. And it was inspirational. It helped me to be more um, diligent in what I was doing and the reason why I was there and what I was there to do. I think that um, UBC has a great opportunity to witness to the people of uh, Ecuador. And um, I'm looking forward to going back again. So on the last day of mission work, we traveled to San Francisco. Not the San Francisco you're thinking of. Um, This day in particular stood out the most because of our transportation there. Everyone climbed to the back of a truck to take the bouncy ride up the mountain, which was around 13,000 feet. Um, This was one of the longest travel times to our site, but it was the most beautiful. Um, There were times when we would think the truck was about to fall over, but our fearless driver had it under control. Um, Our job at this site in particular was concrete work, as well as children's ministry and hygiene sessions. Once arriving at the site, a couple couple of local men were throwing concrete with shovels on the ceiling. As bizarre as this sounds, it sort of got the job done in the most inefficient way possible. After trying to decipher what exactly the locals wanted us to do, we attempted to place concrete on the walls as instructed. I can say that I've never seen this type of architecture in America. It must be a local Ecuadorian favorite. After working for about two hours um, using a different method than tossing it on the walls, we had partially completed one side of the huge building. As it was nearing time to leave, I felt like we had barely gotten anything done. However, that wasn't the case in their mind. Even though we had successfully completed a tiny part of the whole project, the people were so appreciative and amazed by our work. The locals presented us with their beans, corn, potatoes, tea, and guinea pig, which we pretended to eat some of that. Overall, the biggest takeaway from this trip for me was how little these people have and how truly happy they are. They live such simple lives, and it was so fulfilling to step out of the bubble we live in and truly see how our time and willingness to help can make such a difference in these people's lives. Without being able to speak their language, there's a piece of understanding by your actions. You leave this type of trip feeling different than any other vacation, and the work you do for these people fulfills a part of you you didn't realize was missing. When when I got the email from Andy, I guess it was about Monday or Tuesday, 
uh, I, I may have been the first one to volunteer because uh, uh, we wanted to talk about the uh, place that we visited. Uh, I guess it was the last day that we uh, made visits out into the countryside, uh, primarily because with at my age, it's, I probably can't remember anything further back than that, but uh, <clears throat> the village was near San Francisco, Ecuador. Uh, like most of the other villages, uh, it seemed remote, uh, but I think it's because of the mountainous nature of the area, uh, a lot of winding, narrow roads, and it seems like sometimes we'd ride for an hour or two before we get where we we're going, and we may not be more than 10 or 15 miles from where we started. Uh, but uh, shortly before we, well, I guess we had arrived at the location, uh, Andy said that uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time to spend there because we were trying to make our way back to Quito uh, by the end of the day, and that was about another four-hour drive. But uh, didn't have much time, and we should make the most of the opportunity that we had. Uh, so after typically greeting the people who were residents there. Uh, they're always so cordial, and uh, I, I don't know much Spanish, but I could say buenos dias or buenos tardes, or depending on what time of the day it was, I know that much. Uh, but anyway, we, after a few minutes of visiting with them, as we typically did, uh, we found out, I found out that the group that I was in, uh, one of the tasks that we had to do was to uh, transfer a two piles of cinder blocks from the ground where they were stacked up onto the second uh, level of the building uh, where another story was going to be built. I was a little intimidated uh, when I estimated how many there were because it looked like it could be at least a thousand, perhaps closer to two thousand. But we formed a, a human line of hands from, from where the stack was to where they needed to be and within about a half an hour we had all the center blocks placed where they uh, needed to be up on the second level. Uh, the other activity that we uh, performed, my group, there was a guinea pig cage uh, that was uh, needed to be moved for some reason or other. I didn't understand why it needed to be relocated, but anyway, we, we were, that was the task for us guys to do. Uh, but we did take a little break between the two, and while I was resting, I uh, walked over to push on it to see you know, if, how heavy I thought it might be. It was about 10 feet long and uh, probably four feet deep and three feet high, but it was up on four legs that had it elevated about four feet above the ground. Uh, and I couldn't move it at, at all. I, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do the job by myself and never intended to, but I was surprised that it was just it was like it was set in concrete or something. So I poked around one of the legs and discovered that the foot of it was about a foot below the soil line. And uh, but anyway, we got the dirt dug away and uh, all of us except Bill, I think Bill Wisherson was the only one tall enough to lift with his hands. The rest of us had to, had to put our shoulder under it to uh, get it out. But there were about 10 of us, I think three on each side and one on each corner. Uh, but we were able to lift it clear of the ground and move it about 50 feet to its new location. Uh, of course, we had to dig some holes over there, too, to, to put it back a little below ground. I think the reason for that was to make it more sturdy in a windstorm and perhaps not 
so easily be blown over. Uh, but to me, uh, each of these activities, I think, typify the camaraderie and team spirit that existed within our group from the start uh, and seemed to blossom more fully each day. Uh, by the end of the seven-day mission experience, uh, my life was enriched far beyond the expectations that I had before I made the trip. And next year, if I'm physically able and uh, uh, Andy will let me go, I plan, plan to do it again. I encourage some of you who have the time and, and the interest in it to maybe find out more about it. It might be a, an adventure that you would enjoy also. So those of you who know Aaron know he's a rock star. But on this trip, he was the most amazing of us. He was our MacGyver. He, we needed a funnel to, to, to get water from a large vessel to a small vessel. And so he cut the cap off of a, a bottle without even thinking and made us a funnel. We needed connectors to fasten our water filtration systems to a rickety cinder block wall. He didn't have proper dowels or fasteners, so he found some sticks and he made what he needed. And so we had this MacGyver award for you <laughs> because... Thank you. needs an unbreakable water bottle. It's a functional water bottle. You need a funnel. MacGyver always, always used paper clips. We've got twine, and we have a 14-function multi-tool just in case. So thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's amazing. And so was the rest of our team. I want to tell you a little bit about the other UBC members that I went to Ecuador with. You know when you, you hear that when you go through a rough experience with somebody, you grow closer to them. And this was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, and perhaps one of the most rewarding. But a lot of that was because of these people behind me that I went on this trip with. Glenn, we couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Glenn decided early on that he was the linchpin of our group. That without him, the whole team would just be washed up. The truth is, I don't know a more joyous Christian than Glenn. He seems tireless and was always smiling. And Bill, ever so patient, he worked on the water filtration systems and painted and did this incredible concrete work with everybody else, even as dozens of local men crowded around to watch what these Americans were doing. He hammered with big rocks, and he scraped paint with a gardening hoe. David. We've been in the same Sunday school class for 25 years. 
I count he and Debbie as some of my best friends. But I can tell you that outside of the walls of this church, he's a very hard worker, a sly jokester, and an incredible dancer. <laughs> there are two of our team of whom I am particularly proud, Kristen and Olivia. I can't do this. They are my children's generation and younger. And I've watched them grow up in this church. And I have to tell you, we at UBC did a really good job. Give me a second. I wasn't going to do this. You know I always do this when I get a chance in the pulpit. They are amazing young women. Kristen has become a consummate medical professional. She worked with women in villages to share medical supplies and hygiene practices. She shared therapeutic background with the villagers and us older people who didn't, didn't do what we should have done during the days, and she helped us to get through it. She was always busy, whether it was doing her medical work or painting and doing crafts with kids. Olivia made friends of little children in every village that we visited. She was loved by them all. And I cannot tell you how many games of Pato Pato Ganso Olivia played. And in the US, we call that Duck Duck Goose. It is totally translatable culturally. And I think she helped glue more tissue paper onto plates than the rest of us combined. But she was fabulous. And Andy. I've known Andy longer than most of you since I was on the pastor search team. Now we're known as the pastor found team. I became very familiar with his resume and knew that he had done lots of foreign mission stuff. I have to tell you that he is really, really good at it. He's really organized and patient and never, at least outwardly, lost his religion with problematic team members. We're not going to mention any names, but I know I'm the top of that list. <laughs> and he showed God's love to people that we worked with. So be proud of your church family that went on this mission. They all embodied Christ in the mountains of Ecuador. And I thank you for this opportunity to have been part of it. Well, that was a very tough act to follow. Um, I'll just tell you that we all, we all live in a bubble. And if you don't think we do, it's, it's UBC, it's America, it's Louisiana, and just the things that we take for granted are just amazing. Uh, even in the larger cities, you know, my biggest fear going there was don't stick your toothbrush under that faucet. <laughs> you, you may not make the rest of the trip, you may be in your room. Um, and these people live with that every day. Of course, they've become accustomed to this, but just the little things in life, uh, you know, we, we all depend on at certain ages our social security. They don't have that over there. If, if you don't retire from a business uh, for many years, you, you know, it's, it's difficult. But, but moving on to uh, our trip, uh, 
Andy did a phenomenal job, and the gentleman that he has a relationship there, Marco and his family are incredible people. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures yet of the building that they're building, but they're building a mission there, and their mission is, is phenomenal. They're so dedicated. Marco is a computer science engineer uh, that is very dedicated to the mission of the people in the mountains of, of Ecuador. They, um, they're building a, an area where dental work can be done, they're building an area for doctors to be visiting people there, and they've got it lined up to where this building will be open. Uh, their goal is to open it in November. They've been building this building for, for five years. Um, they're going to use students from the local uh, institutions there for teaching institutions to come in and treat people. And if there's one thing that UBC can really focus in on and help these people is, is dental hygiene work and um, and just seeing a doctor for just normal things that you and I would like to see. And, you know, if you can't visit and go there next year, I just encourage you to get involved in some sort of a way to, to be able to help these people um, to just improve on just general things in life that we take for granted. And uh, I, I'm, I feel honored to be on this trip. Thank you. And thank you for sending a group of people for helping us in Ecuador. And we are praying for have another group in the next year. And thank you. The consideration of going on mission somewhere as Western Christians is we often have the tendency to think that we are bringing God somewhere, but God is already present. God is present and at work, and we get to become active participants in the work that God is already doing. And at the same time, we are shaped and formed by the children of God who are there, who help transform our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, during our trip, uh, we did a little um, hopscotch through the book of James, which is a remarkable book, my favorite book in the entire New Testament, as the Nomad Sunday School class is fondly aware. And there's some challenging verses from James. James writes, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. My brothers and sisters in glorious Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man who comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, and to the poor man, here, sit at my feet, have you not discriminated among yourself and become judges? He writes in verse 8, But if you really keep to the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing what is right. I challenged our team as we were in the middle of our work week to contemplate who are the poor among us. While we venture a long way away from home to serve our Ecuadorian brothers and sisters, we must also contemplate who are the Ecuadorians among us. 
who are the people among our society that we tend to not show favoritism to, and are we keeping to the royal law? It's easy sometimes to go on mission. It's difficult to bring that mission home. So may we contemplate who are the orphans and widows among us. Who are those that we might live out what James calls the royal law? I am deeply grateful for our team. Glenn Linzer, as Sherry said, I don't know if this trip would have been possible without Glenn. Um, Glenn knew how to do everything on the trip, uh, including installing a water filtration system that was completely in Spanish. Um, but, but Glenn brought so much joy and humor and depth to our team. Uh, Kristen Kerfasi, who stepped out in faith in April after the team had already committed to say, I might be able to use this degree and this profession I have to care for people in need and to be flexible enough to see those opportunities on the trip. I'm grateful for David for his willingness to bring leadership and courage to our group each and every day as we sought out to do the work. If you've ever been on a trip with Bill Washusen, then it's got to be a great trip when the average height in Ecuador is 5'2". <laughs> and there's nothing that brought more joy into my life than seeing this monstrosity of a man rise above these small Ecuadorian people. I had to get a picture of Bill standing with some of the shortest among us, and it was quite humorous, but Bill brought so much depth to our trip. Sherry, for her encouragement to each person each day to see the opportunities, to be flexible within those opportunities. Of course, Aaron, we know, is a person who fixes everything, and I'm sure by the time he leaves, that MacGyver Award will be turned into a prop plane and we'll all fly out of here in some way. <laughs> I don't think there had to be a greater feat of faith than from Olivia, who was called on Monday before we left on Thursday to say, would you happen to want to go to Ecuador this week? That, of course, is a result of Bonnie Ellis, who had to step away from her commitment to the trip because of her mother's health. And Bonnie, you were missed on the trip. And we missed the gifts and strengths that you would have brought to the team. But thank you for your willingness and courage to step out to give your trip to someone else. And trip, we'll take um, a check for uh, Olivia's trip. If you want to make it out to cash and slip it in my pocket after worship today. Of course, our team included other people who are not on this stage. My parents, Willard and Patty, who've been with me almost every time. I think this made their eighth trip to Ecuador. Heidi, Tina, Christina, Meredith, Caitlin, and Emery from First Baptist Church Clayton, two churches I served to go. And Jackie, who uh, is a member of First Baptist of Slidell. We are grateful to you for your support, because this trip was not possible without your prayers, without your financial contributions, for so many who gave to see work done that they might not see done in person. The Nomad Sunday School class for raising $650 and giving it to a water filtration system that will provide clean water to thousands of people, something that we have every single day and will provide so much health. So thank you. Thank you for your support to this team. Thank you for your support of us going on mission. Thank you for the love and the prayers and the encouragement given. 
We also had a member of the congregation who I wasn't informed who it was, but I was given a stack of cards and asked that we open it each day. And each day, this person from UBC wrote a word of encouragement to us and always signed it, beloved child of God. So to you, whoever that was, we give thanks. We do know generationally which... I put my foot in my mouth on the trip and I said, this handwriting is definitely from my parents' generation. And I got in trouble with people from my parents' generation on the trip, so. (laughs) UBC will be going to Ecuador in 2020. We will be setting the dates next month. Close your eyes and imagine 60 degrees in the middle of July. Imagine finding yourself looking across hundreds of miles of the Andes. Imagine seeing snow-topped volcanoes. But also imagine yourself working beside some of the most humble and generous people you will ever meet. You have gifts and strengths to bring to the Ecuador team. God has something new to do through you and from the Ecuadorian people as you step out in faith into a mission immersion. Are you willing to go? Our time of response this morning is unique for us here at UBC. We don't like to just respond every week in the same kind of way, so this week we're responding through sharing the journey. For those that aren't familiar with this practice, that means we want you to turn to a neighbor and to have a conversation We've provided a couple questions for you to consider this morning. How has God spoken to you this morning? How can God use you to radically transform this community? And how might you support the 2020 Ecuador Mission Immersion? We invite you to respond in worship this morning through conversation this morning. May you engage with each other.